we're going to start the series on God of Wonders. Let's read uh, a few verses from Isaiah. Present your case, says the Lord. Set forth your arguments, says Jacob's king. Tell us, you idols, what is going to happen. Tell us what the former things were, so that we may consider them and know their final outcome. Or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what the future holds, so that we may know that you are God's. Do something, whether good or bad, so that we will be dismayed and filled with fear. But you are less than nothing, and your words are utterly worthless. Whoever chooses you is detestable. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would do wondrous things in our lives, Lord God. Do wondrous things in us. We, we, we didn't just come to see something wondrous. We came to have something wondrous happen to us. And so I pray that that would, would take place through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got to testify. Well, all right. <laughs> I've got to tell you what my God's done for me. I want to tell you that they announced me that I had cancer. But I went back to the doctor and I said, I don't have cancer. But I went through the treatments. When I went through the treatments, the doctors and people come around me and said, don't expect nothing great for you. I expect to be healed. God said I was healed. Now the doctors say I was healed. Now let me tell you more. My son had testicular cancer. They announced that he had testicular cancer. But we prayed over it and we said, do not speak this because the words that come out of your mouth is what you get in your life. He was healed. Went back to the doctor and the doctor said, there's something not the same. My daughter went in for surgery to have this baby. She had a complete placenta. They said she has less than 5% coming off the operating table. The baby has 2% chance of living. We said, we do not accept this. We plead the blood of Jesus on this. My God is still a healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. Here they sit today. James 5 and 14 says, if you are sick, come before the elders. Let them anoint you that you may be healed. That's the God I serve, the one that can heal you today. All you got to do is speak it, and you do not have to live with the pain and suffering and what people say. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ride with you, friend. Let me tell you about my God. Yes. I don't know about you, but God has delivered me time and time again. When I was burned with boiling water as a child, as a baby, he protected my face and my insides, and he delivered me from the pain. When I was sexually abused as a child, God protected my mind and delivered me from the emotional pain. Come on. When I was using drugs as a teenager, he protected me from death. As an adult, he walked with me through the valley of the shadow of death when I was in jail and in prison. And he delivered me from its snare. He planted me at renewed life and delivered me from my past. He broke the chains of addiction in my life and set me free from myself. 
Yeah, come on. When my marriage was on the rocks, he pulled us out of the miry clay and set our feet on a rock and delivered our marriage. And so now in my life, when I get discouraged and when I fear and when I'm anxious, I look back at all these times he's delivered me. And I look at the testimonies in the Bible, how over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, he's delivered his people. And I say, I trust God too much to give up because God is most assuredly my deliverer. Amen. Anybody else got a microphone? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here he is. I'm going to get with you, friend. And I hear you, Justin. Let me tell you about God, my redeemer. Let me tell you about the God that redeemed my soul. Let me tell you about the God that redeemed my family, restored my family. See, four years ago, I was that guy that everybody looked at and was like, oh, what is his problem? Because I decided to walk away from God. I decided to say, God, I don't know who you are. I don't love you. I don't want to represent you. I'm going to do me. But God had other plans. He said, son, I want to redeem you. I want to make you whole so that when you walk, you walk upright in me. God is still in the redeeming business. He's still in the healing business. He's still in the delivering business. It said, the song says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm saying so right now, standing in front of you. When I was in that place of, uh, Pastor Wayne, I love you. I was in this place of smelling this stench on myself and didn't understand what it was and what it smelled like, but it was death. Yeah. And God said, I love you enough for you to come back to me. And praise God for my praying wife who stood at the altar praying for me and said, God, don't kill him, but bring him back. Redeem him, restore him, make him whole. But I stand here today smelling good. Yeah. Redeemed. Yeah. <laughs> whole. Restored. Renewed. Upright. Living for the king and not for myself and not for hell. God will redeem you. He can restore you. He can restore anybody. Pray and believe. Ask, declare in his name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh. And, and you may go, well, that was clever, Pastor, for you to sit those guys up. I didn't. They came to me. They came to me and said, we got a testimony. When can we give it? I said, well, I think I got a Sunday. You might be able to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, God of wonders. Can everything be explained? No. But you know what? We, we live in an age where we accept the maximum that, that everything has an explanation. We, we do. We, we, live in a, we live in a time just because, but just because we've accepted it doesn't mean that it's true. But, uh, but we often even add to it that not only can everything be explained, it can be explained in a way that we can understand it. And if it can't, then it just didn't happen. It's kind of how we feel about stuff. I mean, and, you know, we just, we, we're beyond, we dismiss the notion that lightning is Zeus throwing thunderbolts and stuff and, and thunder is giants throwing rocks at each other. But just because we can explain a few natural phenomenon doesn't mean we can explain everything. I mean, why do fools fall in love, people? <laughs> of course you don't know that. My uh, favorite poem, my favorite 
modern poem. It was written by a guy named Lawrence Ferlinghetti. It's called I Am Waiting. And he has, has a list of things that he is waiting for. Um, not going to read the whole poem. It's, it's a great poem. But uh, among the things that he is waiting for, I am waiting for the American eagle to really spread its wings and straighten up and fly right. I am waiting for the age of anxiety to drop dead. And my favorite one, I am waiting for the Salvation Army to take over. And for the meek to be blessed and inherit the earth without taxes. But he has a refrain that runs through it. And at the end of each stanza that he writes, he says this, I am waiting for a new rebirth of wonder. Tired of living in an age where everything can be explained. I'm waiting for wonder to be reborn in people's lives. We want a God we can explain. Then you may go, oh, well, I don't. Yes, you do. That's, it's kind of ingrained. It's, we want a God that we can, that we can explain. We, will, we want him to be able to do wonderful things, marvelous things that we can't explain as long as we can explain them. Or at least as long as we can understand why he did it. That's what we want. But regardless of what you see, we get uncomfortable with a God who is mysterious. We get uncomfortable with a God who's mysterious, and yet he wants to draw near and get in our stuff. Because we don't know what he's going to do with our stuff when he gets in it. But regardless of what we want, God is who he is. And he cannot be fully explained, and sometimes the in, in the context of the situation, he can't be explained at all. I mean, in, in the context of the situation, who could stand by the cross and go, oh, I know why God's doing this? Nobody. Wonders are not only real, they are necessary. And the Lord God Almighty is a God of wonders. This passage in Isaiah has always kind of, well, always, uh, since the mid-70s when I really discovered, always kind of jumped out at me because basically what God is saying says, this is how, this is how you know if, if God is real. Tell us what's going to happen. Tell us what has happened so we can think about it. Do something. Do, do something. I grew up hearing about the God of wonders. In fact, our services were geared toward wonders. That's, that's why we came. That's why you went. That's why you came to church to see something happen. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we did communion once a quarter if we thought about it. Uh, about half the time we'd remember to do it, and the other half the time we, we wouldn't do it. So I guess we did it semi-annually. You get right down to it. But, uh, and then we'd, we'd, do the, we'd do the song service. That's what we called it in those days which was, you know, oftentimes a hymnal, and if the person leading the song service hadn't had time to think about it a little, it would start out with, anybody out there got a request for a song that you'd like for us to do? Yeah. Oh, let's do page 175. 175, Victory in Jesus. Let's all sing the first, second, and last verse. Uh, you know, so that's, we get that done. And then uh, what, what we call the preliminaries out of the way, which would kind of set up the sermon, which really was not, that was preliminary too, because the real stuff was supposed to, supposed to take place after. And, you know, and there was, 
I saw some stuff take place after. I'll just have to be honest. I didn't see some of the stuff my dad saw. I remember my dad telling me one time, the first church I remember us going, I remember being in, was a little church up up in Millersville, <coughs> and it had a had a had a cold pot bellied stove that that burned coal. And on a, on a cold day, my dad would have to get up early and get there at church in time to start the fire and get things get things warmed up. He says, I remember a time, I don't remember the name of the, of the lady, and I didn't see this, okay, but I trust my dad's testimony. He said, I remember a time that sister so-and-so uh, started dancing in the spirit. Now, their dancing wasn't like our dancing. They're, you know, their, their dancing was like, uh, it, it only happened if, if things were really going on, and it didn't kind of look like dancing. It kind of looked like an affliction, but she, uh, you know, she started dancing and, and she grabbed a hot, red hot pot belly stove and hugged that thing and wasn't burned a bit. No, no. Wow. I'd like to see that. Any volunteers? <laughs> Didn't think so. Cause it better, it better be God. But I, I saw stuff. Uh, and, and I, you know, I've seen God do things. My mom, and many of you, many of you knew her while this was going on. My mom got gangrene in her foot, and you know the doctor said that foot's got to go. And she wasn't at all afraid of dying. She was totally fine with that, but she wasn't about to have her foot taken off. You know, when you get gangrene, it's supposed to kill you. We prayed. It didn't. She's gone home to be with Jesus, but it wasn't that gangrene, and, and she, she took both her feet with her when she went. Now, for me, it's been, it's been a little more subtle in, in the things that God's done in my life. I remember, there's really only one time I can remember a, a, a miraculous healing that I was aware of, and it wasn't, you know, a big deal, but it, it was real. Because he's, he's often subtle in the way he deals with me, which is kind of strange because I'm not a particularly subtle person. But he, uh, I, I don't remember, I had the flu, cold, something. I remember my parents praying for me. I was probably around 10 years old or something like that because uh, I know what house we were in. I know it was at least nine. And I remember them praying for me. And I remember I was, I was just sick. You know when you feel sick and you got that fever and the achiness and everything. And they prayed for me and it just went... Whew, I was gone, and I went, I've just been healed. You know, it wasn't like a broken leg or anything, but I knew. You know, I knew. Uh, I was on the other side of that, uh, of that equation with Isaac. Uh, when we were going over to Zimbabwe, we were at Skipo Airport in Amsterdam, and he was, we, were, we were getting ready for the last leg of our flight down to, to Zimbabwe, and uh, we got to the we got to the flight a couple hours early, and as we were trying to check in, they go, he uh, he's sick. We got have we need to have a doctor look at him. And the doctor came to look at him, and the doctor said, I can't put him on the plane. Can't let him get on the plane. He, it'll burst his eardrums. The pressure in the cabin, and uh, and so we're just going. What in the world are we going to do? I mean, Arwen was three years old, and Margaret and Arwen had never been out of the country, and they were going to have to take all that stuff and, and go down to, to Harare, and I was going to have to find a hospital to put Isaac in, and I was going to have to find a place to, to stay for a few days. And 
<laughs> and so, I mean, you know, we were making plans to do this, but we prayed. We certainly prayed. And about 45 minutes later, uh, we said, uh, could that doctor look at him again? You know, and the doctor came and looked at him again and went, well, okay, I, I think, yeah, he can fly. Uh, you probably want to have him checked out when you, when you get there, check, check his ears, which we never did because by the time we got there, he was completely healed. He was completely fine. This is God. I mean, we, we serve a miracle working God. We do. However, there's a danger in expecting wonders. Because when we are expecting wonders, we can be, we can be easily deceived. Uh, there are plenty of, there are plenty of places in, in the scripture that, uh, where, where wonders are used to deceive people. And, and not only that, there's, there's the words of Jesus. He said, false messiahs, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. I mean, what do we not understand about will appear? And perform great signs and wonders to deceive. So that can happen. Uh, and so I'm leery. I, I, I get. I'm, I'm leery of, of ministries that are geared toward just signs and wonders. Because what does the Lord require of you? According to Micah, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And that's what we really need to learn. That, that's, that's what we really need to, to, be, to, be able, to be able to do. Now, does this mean that, okay, well, we just won't have anything to do with signs and wonders? No, 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 not at all, because that's wrong. You know, I, I mean, people sometimes will go, well, you know, those used to happen. They don't happen now. Well, the Bible didn't tell you that. They do happen now. I mean, you, Fred, Justin, Robert. Ronnie, all over this place, there are testimonies of God doing miraculous things. So, so he absolutely does. I am also leery, though, of theologies that claim to explain everything. You know, why did God lift my fever as a child? Well, it must have been to build my faith so that when we got to the airport at Skipo and needed to pray for Isaac, I could, you know, I could pray with faith for him. And, you know, I did pray with faith for him, okay? But I don't know that that's why God healed me as a child. And I also don't know why he didn't lift the fevers the other times I got prayed for. Or why there have been times, sometimes even in the, in the testing, he is teaching us to trust. I think we sung, sang that song a little bit earlier today. Some would claim to tell you the answer. I mean, they got it all figured out, you know, why it didn't happen. And it's because, it's usually because of you. You didn't, you didn't say it right. You didn't believe it right. You didn't do whatever right. But look, I mean, if all we got to do is get the words right and, 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 and get our, get our mindset right for the magic to happen, then sign me up for, for Hogwarts. I, I don't, who needs God? Seriously. That's not the way that it works. He is a sovereign God, and he is a, he is a wonderful God, but this, this, this explanation-type theology is a perfect theology for a generation that looks for signs and believes everything can be explained. And yet loves to sing, 
His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. You know, isn't that such a sweet song we're singing about a beautiful name that smells like flowers in springtime? What does wonderful mean? Full of wonder. Full of mystery. Full, full of things that are beyond our understanding. I am waiting for a rebirth of wonder. Tell us what is going to happen, what the former things were, declare the things to come, what the future holds, do something. My testimony contains all of that. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to give it here. I, I grew up in, in church, Pentecostal church, as I've already told you. But even more than the signs and wonders that I saw, and one of the things that I'm really grateful for was the fact that I grew up reading the Bible. I mean, I did. I, I grew up re- reading it. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Hey, you know, you're a Christian now. You got Bible, you read it, right? Just, just want to be sure. And I'm looking over here because y'all are the young people. Yeah. I mean, the old people, y'all all read your Bibles, right? <laughs> Okay, uh, so anyway, I grew up reading the Bible, and I remember the first time I read Revelation. I think I was twelve years old, and I loved it. I mean, people go, "Yeah, I don't want, I can't stay away from that." Listen, we didn't, ha- I, we couldn't go to the movies because we were Pentecostal, so I couldn't go to horror movies, but I could read Revelation. <laughs> you know, and all that stuff was there. Wow! And not only that. You know, I believed in the pre-tribulation rapture, so it wasn't going to happen to me anyway. It's just going, whoo! I really, I really, really loved Revelation and was really into it. But by the time I was in my late teens, I was done. I didn't want anything more to do with church. I didn't want anything more to do with the thou shalt nots. I didn't want anything more to do with the judgmental atmosphere. And that, that continued well into my 20s. And in fact, some of it still continues today, really. Uh, I mean, I've certainly made my peace with the church. Church is important. You, that's where the family is. There's a body of Christ. You need to get involved there. I'm still working on some of the thou shalt nots, but I still and make my, I'm still not reconciled with the judgmental atmosphere because Jesus wasn't. And so I don't think that's the way that that's supposed to be, the way that that's supposed to go down. But anyway, by my, I, I, I'm, I'm in my late 20s. I'm in my mid-20s, not my late 20s, in my mid-20s. 24, and I ended up moving back home. Now, you know, that's not a big deal today. I mean, you know, who, who can afford to, when you're in your mid-20s, who can afford to move away from home? But this was back before the 80s. This, this was before uh, both the government and the church legitimized greed and said it was okay to be real greedy. And so people could actually, by their mid-20s, actually live somewhere else if they were working. And uh, in fact, when I was a kid growing up, a common laborer could support a family of four on one income five days a week. Yeah. But anyway, so I moved back home, and, and, and the thing about moving back home was that usually meant I was there on Saturday night, which meant Sunday morning. And, you know, I wasn't to the place yet where I was going to go, I ain't going. So, you know, I went, I went to, uh, remember this one Sunday morning, and I went to... Uh, uh, Brother Langford's church, Billy Langford, my dad was was helping him, was assistant pastoring with him. And 
And I remember that the sermon was completely nondescript. I have no idea what he preached about. Uh, he was a pretty good preacher, but it was just it was a sermon, okay? And then the, uh, the altar call came, no big deal. You know, it was an altar call. I mean, you know, it was going to keep going until somebody went down, but that somebody wasn't going to be me. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm just under my breath. I'm going, wow, God, I'm bored. Did I just talk to you? Uh, if you're real, give me a sign. Goodbye. And so the service ended, and I walked outside, and I walked past my dad. He was talking to this guy who, who was like a, 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 a Christian radio talk show guy or something. And, uh, and my dad was saying to him, hey, Doc, I really appreciate you, uh, you sharing that story about that, that, what do they call it, computer that they got in, uh, in Europe somewhere, and, and it can assign to everybody in the world a, 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 a number, it's, and like uh, uh, three numbers of six digits each, like 666. And as I walked past it, I, I kind of overheard that, and I went, oh, darn. And he said, let me tell you something about asking God for a sign. When you ask God for a sign, he's not going to give you a sign that everybody's going to go, wow, did you see that? He's going to give you something for you. And this is a young boy who had been fascinated with the revelation. And as I heard that, you know, like five minutes after I'd said, God, show me a sign, I walked by and I heard that and I'm going, oh. I, I shook it off, you know, as, as most people do. I shook it off and uh, it's risky to ask God for a sign because you're probably going to have to turn around and go, not that sign. <laughs> you know, something else. But within the week... I, uh, I was at a friend's house to engage in licentious activities, and I, uh, I saw a New Times magazine sitting on the, on the coffee table, and it, it had an article in it on the front that just looked fascinating, and I, and I went to read the article, and it was all about what we were doing to the ozone, and, and how the ozone was depleting, and, and, uh, and you could expect uh, a lot more skin cancers, and, and a lot more uh, uh, danger from exposure to the sun and things like that. And I, and I put that thing down and I went, even here, you know, I can, I can, I can, I can understand you being at church give me a sign there, but you're here too, because I'm going, that's in revelation, isn't it? And so I, I, you know, I went home, I, I, Got a Bible out. Been a long time since I'd done that. Yep, Revelation 16.2, the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land and ugly festering sores broke out on the people. The sun was given power to scorch them with great heat. Okay, so a few days later, I'm driving in a car, just me and the Holy Ghost, apparently. And, And I'm thinking... You know, this is real. This, this stuff's real. I mean, the Bible, that's, that's real, what it says. What am I going to do about that? I, I am now in a, on a dilemma because I can either conform my life to this truth or I can live my life knowing that I'm basing it on a lie. Which one do I want to do? And 
you know, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that that wasn't right with me and probably a lot of stuff still not right with me. I'm just not going to tell you what it is. The stuff you don't already know. But I, uh, you know, I, I've always felt like when you get confronted with the truth, you got to go there. And so I, I went, okay, well, you know, I, you know, I'm really okay with God, though. I mean, I understand this now. You know, I'm not in church. I don't do it the way my parents do it. But, you know, but me and, me and God, we're okay. You know, and you've heard, some of you have heard this before. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're okay with God. That's great. Say praise the Lord. And what? Say praise the Lord. You know, if you know Him, you can worship Him. Praise the Lord. I, I said it. I said it out loud. And and then I turned the, the color of Vicky's sweatshirt there. I mean, I was just I just red from I just blushed all over. I was busted. I didn't a bit more have a relationship with God. I didn't a bit more know God than anything. The enemy will do everything possible to keep you from God's word because God's word has power. It has power. It may lay dormant for a while, but it, it'll, it'll come roaring back at some point in time because it's alive. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's able to, to penetrate deep inside of us and discern the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's able to divide the, 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 the spirit from, from the flesh. And God can tell you what he has done. He can tell you what is going to happen. And more than that, he can read your mail and tell you what's going on inside of you right now. You know, it may, it may be fun to be present uh, when somebody is, is going, uh, you know, I feel like there's somebody here who had a birthday this week and you, and you got lower back pain. You know, oh, is it you, sister? Well, do the numbers uh, 1048 mean anything to you? Oh, oh, it's my address. I mean, that is fun. You, that, that really is. But it's, it's not necessarily, it's not always so much fun when God is whispering in your ear and saying things that are destroying the illusions that you hold so dear in your life and breaking, breaking things up and confronting you with reality. And he does that. Here's a great wonder. When I was 25... When I turned 25, I was psychologically addicted to drugs. I wasn't ever physically addicted, I don't think. But, you know, I think it's probably an addiction when you get up every morning and you're going, okay, where am I going to? Yeah, that's what it is. And, and the fallback was alcohol because, you know, if you couldn't find something good, you just go to alcohol. That was only created to get drunk on. You know, at least that's, that's, that's what I thought at, at the time. And I was far from gainfully employed, and, and I was... Uh, <laughs> I, I was quickly becoming a rusted out wreck, even in my mid-20s. I mean, I thought I was a, a showroom new BMW and quite a catch, but I wasn't. I mean, I was, I, I was anything but and he, headed in the other direction. Three months later, three months later, I was a broken sinner crying at the feet of the cross of Jesus Christ. And he changed things. He changed things. Let... It, this verse was probably the first one that really got me after I came back to the Lord. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the muck and mire. He set my feet on a rock. If your marriage is on the rocks, he'll put your feet on the rock. 
and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God. I mean, less than four years later, I, I, I was, I had a wonderful wife. I was, I was a father. I was able to support my family on my, on my eight to five job. We, we actually lived in a house. I mean, you know, all, all these things, things that I never, uh, I mean, three years earlier, four years earlier, I would have gone, man, that, that's like, thinking about going to Mars, you know, had actually happened in my life. And now 42 years later, I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. I absolutely wouldn't. There's nobody in this world I would trade places with at this point. He's a God of wonders. Even in the valley, he is faithful. Even what the enemy means for evil, he takes and turns it for our good. Worship team, come on up. Uh, if, or if, if you're already up, come on out here. Uh, go, go ahead and stand with me. Um, if you're here this morning, I don't normally go here with this, but, but I'm going to. Uh, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, or you're here this morning and, and, you're, just, and you're playing games and you know you are, you know, I mean, you know, I got baptized when I was five or whatever, uh, so I must be okay. You know, I come to, I visit church every now and then, so I must be okay. But, but you really know that's a game. You really know you're, you're, you're playing. Then I like, those who are going to pray with people, if you'd come forward, then I want you to do one of two things. The first one is, come forward. Be prayed for. I go, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Well, I know you don't. That's the flesh. It's trying to kill you. But set that aside and come forward. The other one is, if, you, if you're not going to do that, would you just mumble under your breath and mean it? God, if you're real, show me a sign. And then when he does, don't pretend like he didn't. Pay attention to it. There's life there. Anyone who needs prayer, uh, the altar is open. We invite you to come. If you, if you don't need to come, worship with us for a little while. Create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move. Surely you can say, praise the Lord.